It's been a good morning to worship God together with you. Thank you, Brad, and praise team for leading us. It's been good to worship. My name is Gary. If you're new here, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for being our guest. I hope that you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Kids, it's always good to see you all here. Thanks for being with us. Now, today's the fifth Sunday of the month, so that means you guys get to stick around here and listen to me for a few more minutes. Uh, We love our volunteers who spend time with you each week, and we want to give them a week off every now and again. And we love you. We're glad that you're here, and we we enjoy hearing you and seeing you around this room. And so so you're going to be able to uh, spend some time with us this morning. Um, Parents and grandparents, if your kids get a little squirmy, that's okay. Kids are squirmy. If they get a little noisy, that's okay. Kids are noisy, but, but I do want you to realize that we do have a lobby out there. If, if they get too squirmy and too noisy for you, uh, you're welcome to, to take them out there. And, and we, the service is on the screen, and uh, you can still be with us that way. But, um, but this morning, we're going to continue our series in a biblical church where I'm leading us through seven biblical purposes of the church. And by that, seven biblical purposes of the Christian. Christians are the church. You and I are the church. Specifically, you and I are White Plains Baptist Church. And as the church, we're exploring what the Bible says we should be about collectively. What should we be doing together as the church? That's what we're looking at in this series. And and I hope that we're seeing what the Bible says to the church It says to the Christian in a similar way. These seven purposes that we're looking at probably aren't a complete list of what all the church should be about, but I think they're foundational for us, especially as we lead into this Reimagined Church workshop uh, starting this evening. This morning we're going to be looking at the biblical concept of discipleship. So when you hear the term discipleship, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you hear the word discipleship? discipleship. For many of us, the term is associated probably with learning to be like Jesus, right? Learning to be like Jesus, but is that all? Is discipleship only about growing in knowledge, or is there more to it? Sometimes we might associate this term with small groups, or Sunday school, or even one-on-one type of discipleship where a mature believer is discipling a younger believer, helping them understand biblical concepts and theology. In the church in Ohio that I served before we moved back here to Kentucky last year, I was given the task unexpectedly to create a discipleship curriculum for our church, for the members of that that church to um, share, the mature believers to share with younger believers in a one-on-one environment and also in classroom environments. That project was fun. I enjoyed that project, and and through that project birthed in me a desire to write more, and that's why that book, uh, Broken, is out there on the the welcome desk. Um, That was a a desire that that I I had coming out of doing this discipleship project for our church. The concept of discipleship is important for me, and in seminary I had a a class devoted to discipleship, and and I thought it would be an easy class, to be quite honest with you, because I had just written a discipleship curriculum for our church. I had just published that book on Amazon, and Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride 
goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I had straight A's in seminary until this class of discipleship. Now, it wasn't my only B, but it was my first, and it was my lowest B. But um, I equate my struggle in that discipleship class with the, with the idea that discipleship is fluid. This idea of what is discipleship, it means so many things to different people. The strategy of discipleship that a church can take can differ greatly from church to church. There's many opinions in the world of discipleship training and much confusion about it. So what should a church do to, for discipleship? What does discipleship look like in the life of a Christian? Just in our own church's short history, I'm told that there was a time where Sunday school was a big desire for discipleship. And then in recent years before COVID, that shift uh, moved to small groups that met in homes. Both are solid, proven strategies of discipleship. But which one is best? It depends on who you ask. Neither one of them are best or better. They're just different. There's much to debate about the concept of discipleship. And so I hope this morning to give us a simple working definition of discipleship with easy application steps. This will be something that we will continue to hammer out together as we go through this Reimagining Church workshop. So what is discipleship? I've given you a definition on the screen from the Lexham Theological Word Book. Discipleship is the process of devoting oneself to a teacher to learn from and become more like them. For the Christian, this refers to the process of learning the teachings of Jesus and following after his example and obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. Discipleship not only involves the process of becoming a disciple, but of making other disciples through teaching and evangelism. So let me set the stage for our conversation this morning that with a passage that lays out the church's only mission. This passage pertains to discipleship, and we will d dive much deeper into this passage tonight in our workshop, and I invite you to join us at 6 o'clock over in the chapel uh, as we begin to reimagine what church can look like after COVID. But let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning, this, this word to us, this great commission. Lord, help us as we look into what you have for us in this commission. Help us to see our purpose, our mission as a church and as a Christian. You are good to us, and we thank you for your goodness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the church's mission should always and only be what we just read. 
The church, our church, exists for the mission given to us by Jesus himself. We are to go in the power of Christ's authority and make disciples of all people groups. We are to baptize them in the faith and bring them into membership of the church to teach them God's word, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we trust Jesus for the results. That's what we find in the Great Commission. That is what we are to do. For this morning, I want us to see that discipleship is following and learning. I flipped the order from our definition that we looked at just a minute ago, and it's important, I think, that I did this because if you think about it, have you ever watched a child grow? I know there's many educators here in the room, and you know this to be true. They they often will grow in their understanding by following, then understanding and learning, don't they? Children will often, often mimic before they can understand even what they're doing, especially younger siblings. I have a two-year-old niece who adorably follows her four-year-old brother around and copies everything he does. Do you have family like this? He goes and plays with something, she goes and plays with that thing. He says something, she says the exact same thing, not knowing what he just said or what the meaning was. It's super cute, and I'm sure you've got family who's done this, and you've experienced this. I was a student pastor for 15 years, and I would see over time that my students would start to pray the way that I prayed. They would start to use the words that I would use in conversation. They would oftentimes follow my leading before learning what it was I was doing. I think this is the biblical order also, to follow, then learn. Let's look at Jesus' example to us in making disciples. Let's stay in Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 4, 17 through 22. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's also called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus' first command was to repent, to turn from sin. His second command was to follow, to follow him. The promise that followed the command was that he would be with them and empower them to reach others. Later on in chapter 4 and on in chapter 5, Jesus begins to teach. Disciples of Jesus follow, then they learn. I think we naturally do this backwards, though, don't we? We naturally do this backwards. We want to know before we do. We want to be able to handle the tough questions, any question, really, before um, we dare share our faith. We, we dare, before we dare invite someone to church, we want to know a response to 
any kind of objection they may give us. The order, the order here is we want to shape our heads, then we want to shape our hearts, and finally our hands are moved. But what I want you to see is that according to the way Jesus began his ministry, as he called his disciples, he asked from them to follow him. Then they learned. Then he taught them. He asked for their hands to be moved. As their hands were moved, their heart was formed. And as their heart was formed, their head was shaped. Do you notice the difference in that order? I'm sure you've experienced this in other areas of your life, too. I grew in my understanding and love of soccer by coaching soccer, not by learning it. I began began coaching soccer before I knew any of the rules. I have a love for my daughter that drove me to follow her desire for soccer. Now, I still don't know much about the game, but... My love for it grew as I started to interact with the game. Now, I could have set out to learn the game first, to fully understand all the ins and outs of soccer, and to understand the rules and the strategies of the game before I began coaching. But by the time that I would know all of that, my youngest daughter would have graduated college by then. My hands were moved to coach soccer. Then my heart grew for the game. And now I'm growing in the knowledge of soccer. Our love for something often moves our hands to act. As our hands act, our heart grows, then our head understands. This is important in the context of discipleship also. In the case of discipleship, our love of Jesus moves us to follow him. As our hands move in following Jesus, our heart grows. And over time, we understand. Understanding grows in our hands. Now, let me add a word of caution. Only do this with Jesus. Only follow without understanding Jesus. Don't follow me without understanding. Don't follow the world without understanding. Don't follow online preachers without understanding. This is a great way to be misled in following someone in the wrong direction. But Jesus is different, isn't he? He can be trusted. Even if we don't fully understand where he's leading, we can follow Jesus and still be safe. When Jesus says, follow me, you can and should follow him. Even if you don't know fully where he's going, and oftentimes we don't know fully where he's leading. As we follow Jesus, our hearts will grow and become more like his. And we'll speak more about this next week as we look at biblical ministry. As you follow Jesus, you will grow. As you follow Jesus, you will grow. And this morning I want to share with you three ways in which you will grow in love, and one way in which you'll grow in understanding. Healthy things grow. Living things grow. A person who is following after Jesus should be growing to be more like Jesus. The first area in which we grow in our love is disciples grow in their love for God. 
as you follow after Jesus, you will grow in your love for God. When you first came to Jesus, you understand the real love that God has for you. You recognize that you were stuck in your sin. You realize that there was nothing that you could do to overcome the sin that entangles your life. You realize that you were powerless, and you realize that God wants more from you, but you were unable to do anything about it because of that sin. Then in God's great love for you and his mercy in your life, he revealed Jesus to you in a way that you could no longer ignore. God loves you so much that he gave you his son, Jesus, to overcome the sin that so easily entangles your life. Jesus died a death that you deserve, that, you, that was meant for you. That's the gospel. At some point, if you're a Christian, you heard a message like this, and you responded by agreeing with Jesus that he is the only way to be made right with God, and you began to follow after him. You became a disciple. As you continue to follow after Jesus, you should continue to grow in your love for God and in your expression of that love. Let's look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As you grow in your love for God, you should begin to desire the things that God desires. This is normal. This is part of discipleship. This is what you did when you first started dating your spouse, isn't it? How many of us men watched romantic comedies in the early months and years of our dating relationships with our spouses? Most of us, probably. How many of us men get together on Friday night and watch romantic comedies with each other? Not many. We do that because we love our spouses. We do that because we know they want to watch those, and so we watch those. As you grow in your love for God, you begin to desire the things that God desires. God desires holiness. God desires us not to be like this world around us, but to transform our thinking by his word and live differently. Disciples grow in their love for God by spending time with God the way he wants us to spend time with him, through his word, with his people, and in constant prayerful communication with him. As you follow after Jesus, you will grow in your love for God. The second way we grow in our love is disciples grow in their love for the community. As you follow after Jesus, you will grow in your love for the community, the community around us, the community that you live in, the community that you work in, your neighborhood. When you come to Christ, you realize that the salvation that you receive from Jesus is not based on anything you did, but it is a gift from God. It is a grace 
and it's God's doing. Yes, you did receive it. Yes, you accepted it, but you did nothing to earn it, and you didn't deserve it. As you spend time with God in his word, you realize that that same gift of grace that you receive, that you received, is offered to everyone, especially those near you in the community. As you are being transformed in your thinking, you begin to see the ways in which the community around you is still stuck in their sin. Their thoughts are not God's thoughts. They don't desire the things that God desires. You are being transformed, and you begin to see that your transformation of mind is at odds with the thinking of the community around you. When you realize that, don't fight. Don't argue. Don't disown the community around you because their thinking is sinful. They don't know any better. Share with those you are close with. Talk with those you are close with about how God is working in your life and how Jesus has changed you and freed you from the shackles of your sin and that he can do that for them. Let's look again at Romans in chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what, it, what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. As you grow in your love for the community, that love will be centered around the gospel and not in the acceptance of any sin. To truly love the community, you will be driven to share with them the same hope that you have, the same hope that you've trusted in from God's word. As you follow after Jesus, you will grow in your love for the community. The third area of love that you'll grow in is disciples grow in their love for each other. As you follow after Jesus, you will grow in your love for each other. That is, other Christians. Specifically, Christians here at White Plains, but also more generally, Christians all over the world. In a similar way to the community around you, as you have followed after Jesus you realize that the grace that God has given to you is the same grace that he is offering to other Christians. In the church, you see that grace is being lived out by others. You recognize that it's the same grace. It's the same Lord. It's the same faith, even if it's expressed differently. You are moved to patience. And you offer a similar grace as you realize that we all are works in progress. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And 
if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As you grow in your love for each other, forgiveness follows. Patience is offered. Kindness is in the air. Compassion rules the day with humility. Does this passage describe the way you interact within our church? Does this passage describe the way that our church interacts with you? It should. It's my hope that as we continue to follow after Jesus together, we will collectively be transformed into a church that interacts with each other this way. As you follow after Jesus, you will grow in your love for each other. The final way that we grow is in our understanding, and disciples will grow in our understanding of Scripture. As you follow after Jesus, we have one rule of faith, one source of inspiration, one way that guides our following, the Bible, Scripture. Disciples grow in our understanding of God's words to us found in Scripture, the Bible. As you follow Jesus, you should be drawn to this book. As you follow after Jesus, this, should, this book should be a priority in your life. You should want to know more of its stories, more of its narratives, and you should attempt to understand this whole thing. It's one big story of God's love for you. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness since he is called, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice of distinguish good from evil. Do you desire to know this book? Even if you're still considering the basic principles of this book, that's okay, as long as you have a desire for it. We don't all learn at the same pace. However, there is a real problem if you don't desire to know what's in the Bible. You should be bothered if you haven't spent any time with God's Word personally this week. That should bother you. If you've not spent any time with God's Word personally this week, if today's the first time you've opened the Bible in a week, that should bother you. Not because you're trying to earn God's love, but because you're expressing your love for God 
by spending time with him. How are you going to know what is good and evil if you don't spend time with God in his word? Hebrews 5.14 tells us that as we spend time in God's word, we will be able to distinguish good from evil. We will be able to judge activities as evil because we are being transformed into Christ's likeness. But we must spend time in God's word to be able to do this. As you follow after, <coughs> excuse me, as you follow after Jesus, you will grow in your understanding of Scripture. And as we conclude this morning, we realize that biblical discipleship is more than just learning. It is more like a lab than a lecture where we live out what we're learning. Our hands shape our heart and in turn shape our head. I know that this is a message that we can all respond to this morning. I am calling you to grow closer to God this morning, to grow, grow closer to God by following after Jesus to be more like him in the way you express your love for God, the community, and each other. None of us have arrived. None of us do this perfectly yet, and we won't. There's always room for growth. As a way to respond, I would invite you to consider what is one thing you can do to follow after Jesus closer? What is one thing you can do to follow after Jesus closer? I'm going to make it easy for you and give you some options. One, you could be part of our Sunday morning Sunday school classes. We have them for all ages and I'll be honest, I jumped into the, uh, what grade are you, K through third? Yeah, so I jumped into the little kids class, and we had, I had a blast in there, learning about the gospel, learning about Queen Esther, and how what happens in the Old Testament points us to Jesus. Now, if you're not in kindergarten through third grade, you can't be in that unless you're the pastor, but we have, we have Sunday school classes for all ages, and I started putting our weekly Sunday school attendance in the bulletin at the beginning of the year to show you something that I'm sure every church is like this. It's not just us, but there is a large discrepancy between our worship attendance and our Sunday school attendance. There is a sheet out on the, bullet, on the uh, welcome desk that says, Discipleship Next Steps. Grab one of these on your way out. I've listed all the different Sunday school classes that we have, <coughs> excuse me, the curriculum that we're using in those classes, the teachers of those classes, um, I would encourage you to join our Sunday morning Sunday school classes as a way to grow in your knowledge of Scripture, but also in a way to, to move your hands, to spend time with each other growing and following after Jesus. Being part of our Sunday school class is a really good next step for many of us in this room. And I realize that, after, that, that there was many of you in Sunday school before COVID, and now that COVID has gone away, hopefully, um, it's the next step for many of us to come back to. Beyond that, that's the first. Sunday school is the, the first best place for most of us to go to. But beyond that, we have gender-specific small groups for our adults. Our men are meeting 
Thursday mornings at 6.30, and we just started a new study in the book of Exodus. And I would invite you to join us for that. The women, our women meet on Mondays at 6. There's more time to discuss things in these uh, small groups, Bible studies, um, than there are on Sunday mornings. The final way that you could grow or you could follow after Jesus and grow in that way is to serve in ministry. And many of you serve in ministries around here, and I'm thankful to be part of a church where so many of you are actively serving in ministry. But discipleship is a lab more than a lecture. Doing ministry is a great way to grow in your faith. I'm wired that way. I would much rather learn by doing than learn by sitting and talking. And being involved in a ministry is a great way to do that. I'll invite the worship team to come back up as you consider how to respond. I hope you're able to see this idea of discipleship being following, then learning. We follow Jesus, then we learn from his teaching. Discipleship is the great purpose of the church. It's the great purpose of the Christian. And it begins with trusting Jesus. You can't be a disciple without first trusting Jesus. It's impossible. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you haven't accepted the free gift of God's grace found only in Jesus, would you do that today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for the challenging concepts of discipleship, of following and learning to be like Jesus. Help us as a church, help us as individual Christians to be more like Jesus. Give us courage to take whatever next step we need to take to be a little bit more like Jesus. Move us to follow. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.